Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey, girl. Hey, I'm Julie Bender. Julie, you have a little girl now, so the whole... Weird. Yeah. Still weird. <laughs> How old is she now? She's really old for it to still be weird, if we're being honest. Yeah. She's yeah. eight months. I, when this comes out, I don't know. Maybe she's nine months. I don't Maybe know. Maybe she's 14. She's I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a different relationship, that mother-daughter one. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we do, we had to go find some funny entertaining things about moms and kids and we discovered that in uh, 2020 apparently BuzzFeed shared a question on Reddit asking parents to share the things they can't believe they said to their kids. I mean those are always funny. Those are always (laughs) funny. So their responses included things like quote don't lick the inside of the dishwasher. Yeah, that had to be a boy, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, it's ex- the experimental child, no matter who they are. <laughs> All right, okay. this one I actually kind of think is hysterical. <laughs> Unfortunately, mummy is all out of farts for today. He was begging for me to repeatedly fart. All right. That's, here's, that's a boy. That's a boy. That is, you, you've probably had it with Lincoln. <sighs> yep. And, you know, Brock, my grandson, you know, he just loves these conversations. And unfortunately, I laugh. And Lord's like, quit laughing, Mom. You can't laugh. But exactly. It's kind of funny. It's hard not to. Uh, this one is terrifying, but apparently a mom was quoted as having to say, stop trying to use your baby sister's head as a step stool. I feel like that could happen in my home right now. Yikes. Yeah. For sure. All right. So then there's the turnaround on this. Uh, what kids say to their moms. <laughs> I like this one. I don't need a bath. Can't you just Febreze me? <laughs> you know, that mom does a lot of Febreze on that couch. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay. On a long car ride back from vacation, a 10-year-old boy told his 8-year-old sister, if you were Mrs. Potato Head, I would take your mouth out right now. I think I thought about saying that to my daughters. (laughs) I wish I could say that to my son. I thought this one was brilliant. This child said, if Jesus walked on water, could he do a handstand too? (laughs) I mean, obviously. (laughs) It's true. It's true. That's so cute. Well, while there are hilarious and entertaining parts of parenting like these, there's also a much harder side. We have talked about mothers and daughters before, but this week we're going to go a little bit deeper on how to change that dynamic when yours was not very good with your mom, but you want a great relationship with your daughter. For sure. I mean, we absolutely believe that you can break a negative mother-daughter cycle. And today we're going to be bringing back Marlis Johnson-Lowry, who will share exactly how she did this. She's a writer at Grit and Grace Life, and you can hear part of her story from when she joined us on episode 197. Welcome, Marlis. It's really great to have you back at this Grit and Grace Life. Oh, thank you. Well, let's start light before we go into our topic. Give our audience a little bit of a day in the life of Marlis. 
Oh my goodness. Um, just as a wife, you, do you mean, or as a mother? Well, I mean, all of it. That sounds like you, that's or a little as bit of both, right? Outdoors woman. What's or a normal a, day for yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, um, yeah, remarried and after being a widow for six years and, um, and we like to play. Yeah. We live in the, in Bend, Oregon at the foot of the Cascade Mountains and, we enjoy um, camping and hiking and snowshoeing and riding motorcycles. And so we have uh, a lot of fun. My husband and I do a lot of volunteer, um, you know, just lay ministry work. And that brings a lot of joy to us. Julie, have you ever been in Oregon? Uh, I don't think so. You and Donnie need remember. to go. It is quite lovely. But Marlis likes the cold. I say go to Oregon in July. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Instead of just where you are today, Marlis, let's go back in time a little bit because we're talking about mother-daughter relationships and how Julie, myself, and you're going to tell us a little bit about yours. We had difficult ones with our mothers and we wanted to change that with our daughters. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your, your relationship with your mom. Um, well, she was really a good mom, which I, of course, didn't recognize or appreciate as a child. Um, she was not a cuddly person. I don't ever remember her saying, I love you. And she was somewhat uh, socially awkward, but she did a lot of really good things that were right. Like um, gave us a love for music and for reading. We had classical books and classical music in our home. Um, we grew up with no TV. Um, they taught us a good work ethic. My parents did. And my mom was in, into health food long before it was fashionable. Mm -hmm. And she had a juicer and we drank a lot of carrot juice growing up. <laughs> but what was missing was, I don't remember more than one or two times of some one-on-one -on -one alone time as mother and daughter, you know, mm -hmm. some special time alone. I just don't remember that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I've talked about my challenging relationship with my mom. And in fact, if you want to hear more about that one, go to Dr. Zoe's podcast she did with me last Mother's Day. Um, that's 187. Just go to Dr. Zoe Shaw. But mine was very dysfunctional, and we didn't connect at all. And then Julie... Julie, what about yours? Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't raised by my mom. And so I grew up with the, you know, abandonment aspect, um, you know, just feeling just just really mourning that loss. And then the the parent figure who did raise me, who was supposed to be making up for that, I also didn't connect well with. And so there's just all kinds of stuff there. Well, and I think the reality of a lot of women is whether their mother was disconnected a little bit like yours and didn't have one-on-one -on -one time or mine was fairly dysfunctional or Julie's was absent, it's hard when you have a daughter to go, what do we do to change that? Because we want a different relationship with our daughter. So I remember as a brand new mom, this baby girl, um, just thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I had read some parenting books, I think as most of us do, but um, I had never read anything about how to have a closer relationship with your daughter than you had with your mother. Mm -hmm. And I just intuitively, I thought, if I wanted her to talk to me when she was a preteen or a teen, then perhaps I should listen to her when she's um, jabbering away as a toddler or as a young girl. And maybe when all I wanted was some peace and quiet. Yeah, I love that. And I remember 
when I, I made the same decision with my girls, but I remember there were times when Lauren, my eldest, she didn't breathe. She just talked. She talked from the moment she woke up until she went to bed. And there were times I went, oh, please, I don't think I could do it anymore. But it, it's really important. That's so true. I mean, I, my son, my, my baby is just starting to talk and all she says is, Dada, it's fine. I'm fine. But, <laughs> um, but I can see that with my son. And it's like, you want to take a break, but you recognize you're creating that connection now that you hope to continue to foster, you know, over yes. time. And, and like you said, being willing to listen, communicate so much more um, that they, you value them. What are some practical, tangible things that you did to really begin to foster that and then to carry that through as she grew up? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so I'm going to state the obvious here. You know, communication is key. But if our only communication with our daughters is to correct them or to ask, did you do your homework? Did you do your chores? Or to critique, you know, what they're wearing, then, you know, that's not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that if we intentionally um, set aside time, and, and that's sad that we have to, you know, schedule in time to do that. But in this day and age with moms working more and, um, you know, with just so much busyness in our lives, um, maybe that's what some moms have to do, just schedule in some time, one-on-one -on -one time with our girls. And usually that will pay off. And I say usually because there's no uh, one mm -hmm. formula that works for every child, every parent, everywhere. Mm -hmm. But usually, um, generally speaking, what we pour into our children's lives in terms of of time and making conversation and making memories with them, that will go a long way. You know, you talk about communicating and that time and not doing the things that are negative or not necessarily negative. Sometimes you're just correcting or encouraging them to get things done they need to. But yeah. it's funny because they hear that side so much louder than the other. There yes. was one time my daughter was a senior, actually after her senior in high school year before college, we had actually moved to Florida. She was still in Nashville at her home there. We brought her down to be with us. And I knew she was going to college, so... She'd be on her own anyway in about two weeks. So we brought her down, and she showed up in a mini skirt that had a zipper from the top to the bottom that she had borrowed from her best friend. I looked at her and said, my daughter will not dress like a hooker. <laughs> okay, you can imagine how well that went. Yes. You called me a hooker, Mom. I said, no, I didn't. I said, you're not going to dress like one. And we had this huge row. And to this day, she will still reference that statement that I made. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, you realize that you have to almost 14 times more the positive, the, yes. the, the good things that you're sharing with them, the encouragement of who they are. And, you know, tell moms how to do that. Please. Well, boy, that's, <laughs> maybe that's, I'll get um, it right this time. That's a good question. Um, I think that uh, maybe again, find out what is uh, your daughter's special time um, when she's kind of relaxed. And I know that my daughter from when she was very young was a night owl. So every evening after we did, you know, story, story time or devotions and tuck the kids in, I would lie down on her bed with her and we would talk 
you know, for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And that was just our time alone. And my son was up early. So we had the early morning um, time together. But uh, I think also we have to remember um, that our words are powerful. There's a verse in Proverbs that talks about um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who uh, eat it, those those who, I forget the rest of it, sorry. <laughs> but um we have the power to speak death and discouragement, death of a vision or death of a dream by saying, oh, you'll never be any good at that. We have the power to speak hopelessness into our children's lives, but we also have the power to speak life and hope and courage. So um, again, it's going back to being careful. Yes, we need to uh, correct them, and um, but being careful that we also have scheduled time to listen well to them. And um, that listening time is not a time to, you know, nag them or talk about an issue that we want to cover with them. And remember that our words are powerful. Okay, well, I know from the experience of others and, you know, the stereotypes that there's often some drama in a mother-daughter relationship. Um, you know, whether we're talking about the toddler tantrums or, you know, stomping down the stairs as a 13-year-old or outright defiance of a 16-year-old. Did those times with your daughter cause doubts that maybe you weren't, you know, recreating this type of relationship you wanted to be different? Yes, absolutely. That does cause, cause doubt. Um, but I think if we can remember and keep in mind our own hormonal ups and downs and how we were as preteens and as young teenagers, um, I was a champion door slammer myself. I could really, <laughs> you know, stomp back to my room and slam my door. My brothers thought that was just hilarious. So of course they did as much as they could possibly do to, to you know, make me uh, go and slam my door. But I think when we're in the middle of something like that, we moms take it all the way. And we say, oh, okay, so there's this and she's not talking to us and, and, oh, and then I shall be slip, you know, sneaking out of the house at night. And then you know, we tend to make mountains out of molehills. But I think if we can remember that seasons come and go, if we remember our, even our own seasons. Oh, that's so true. And in the middle of it, you don't think that. You no, think, you no, you think my daughter's never going to like me ever, ever, ever. And I'm not <laughs> quite sure I like her all that much right now either. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of mutual. And will we ever work that out? And the thing, one of the things that I have done with my daughters and now my grandkids is I will tell them I love them, but then I will say, and I like you too. Mm. Because mm, I think awesome. it's really important for them not to know you're just their mom and you love them because you're their mom or their grandmother, but you actually like who they are. Yes. Even when they're slamming doors or yes. mine had <laughs> to have the last word or whichever it was. So they need to know that you, you treasure who they are. Yes. Marlis, was there ever a season that you felt that you were, you know, disconnected with your daughter or even with your son while you were growing up? And if so, what were some things that worked to help you feel like you were reconnecting? Hmm. So I don't remember a, a long season. Obviously, there were days yeah. um, when our kids were, you know, not speaking to us. And I remember saying to my husband, at least only one child at a time is unhappy with us. So that, that <laughs> Winning. was a plus. Uh, but... Again, I think it goes back to what we said about just being patient during that season 
and um, continue to reach out. Um, and yeah, this too shall pass. Let's hit some really practical things, Marlis. Kind of a, if they do this, we do this. Okay, let's roll all the way back to when your daughter, you know, toddlers are all alike. It doesn't matter whether they're girls or boys. They're kind of all toddlers and will lose their minds at different points. But <laughs> you get into elementary school and you have a daughter who is struggling with a subject. And the thing is, when you're trying to help your daughter, the drama and they're struggling, sometimes the drama increases. Sometimes yeah. the you're not the one to help them. You know, I'm asking you as a mom who's been through all of this, give these moms out there some ideas on how to handle that stage of life. If your child is struggling with something and you're trying to help them and your help may or may not be working. Mm, that's a great question. Um, I know that oftentimes um, a girlfriend can even help, you know, uh, a girlfriend of mine that may be like an aunt to my children. Mm -hmm. Um, that can, you know, my child might be more willing to listen to a girlfriend or to a grandma, grandmother, or even um, if there's mother-daughter clashing, which my daughter and I did, we were both strong-willed women, um, oftentimes a husband can step in and um, see things from a cooler perspective. For me, I did things like make up multiplication songs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's like, all right, Chelsea could not learn her multiplication tables. So I decided to make a song out of it. And, you know, we danced, we sang, all of a sudden, it was not painful anymore. And I think sometimes and I'm sure you did that in your homeschooling too. Sometimes you take a painful situation that is a challenge for your child, and make it an entertaining moment. Yeah, and all of a sudden, great things, the perspective changes, they're not feeling discouraged and angry with you because they can't figure it out. They start dancing in the living room. Mm -hmm. Marlis, I'm curious. I know, you know, we were talking about, you know, parenting daughters and I mind so little, I'm, I'm really, you know, not into the thick of it yet, but I'm sure there are some elements that are saying the same, whether you're talking, you know, son or daughter, I'm curious if you found yourself having to apologize and ask for forgiveness a lot in your relationship with your kiddos. And if so, what are some practical tips there? Why is that important? Or maybe it's just me who has to do that a lot. <laughs> no, I did it too. Yes. Oh my goodness. And yes, I identify with that. And we did, we did early on when they were really young, learn to apologize and say, you know, what you did um, was wrong, but I was wrong that I got angry and yelled at you or um, can you forgive me and then and pray together. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. um, a humbling thing to do as a parent. But how important is that for your children to see that you are human and you are real and you're you're modeling to them the importance of of humility and asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, you get them to the teenage years. I mean, you get through the 13-year-old boy. Those hormonal swings are so big. But then you get them to 16, 17, and they're trying to find their independence, which is what they should do. You don't want your child living with you forever. <laughs> you want yes. them to, to build their own life. But it's kind of hard to know where to hold on and where to let go. Yeah. Can you walk down that road with us? 
Yes. Oh, and I didn't realize until later in years how much of a, a control freak I was. I, I wouldn't have considered myself that. And when I say that, what I wanted in, in controlling things, I just wanted the best for my children. I didn't need to be in charge. I didn't need to be the person that had the last word to say the last word, but I knew better than they did, right? Um, as a parent, what was best for them. And it is hard to to know, but when to let go and when to uh, still rein them in a little bit. And a lot of prayer, I think just a lot of prayer, asking God for wisdom. And with each situation that came up, um, in my case, I had a godly husband that we could talk about it together. What do you think? How shall we handle this? And for the single moms out there, or for the moms that have husbands that are very, um, oh, let them do whatever they want, maybe um, find a Christian girlfriend or uh, a, a mentor, someone in your church who's raised kids. And a lot of times it's just so good to say in words out loud what it is that we're dealing with and um, receiving wisdom from others who've been down that path. For sure. I mean, I think that's such a good reminder for all of us. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do, you know, week in and week out here at Grit and Grace Life is to just kind of give examples of other women who have been where we might be right now. Um, just yes. as a reminder that w we all go through the highs and lows specifically of parenting. And yes. that does, that's, we're never going to get around that. Um, but, you know, gleaning wisdom from one another can be such a huge help in that, in that process. You know, there's a quote I recently read that I think can be true. A mother forgives us all our faults, not to mention the one and two, one or two we don't even have. Okay, <laughs> that was Robert Brault. And I think there are times we can, as mothers, especially with our daughters, actually project our faults on them. Mm -hmm. And they're not even their faults. They're something we struggle with. So all of a sudden we see, we think we see it in them. So we react to it. Yeah. How do we deal with that? Oh, that's such a, a good question. Um, again, I think if we can remember that we are flawed humans, flawed um, parents and have grace, give grace and mercy to our children, just as God has given to us. And remember that our words are powerful. I know we've already said that, but uh, be careful what we speak to our kids in anger or in frustration, because, you know, that goes deep. They will remember that. And you can't unapologize your way out of something like that when they've heard you say um, something very hurtful and um, speak life, speak words of affirmation. Um, even if we have to correct them, um, you know, this needs correcting, but I so appreciate that you're, um, you're just such a kind person. I love how you, um, treat your younger brother, but here's an area that we need to just talk about. I think that just kind of goes back to what we said before. I mean, we, as parents, we are required to correct and to, um, you know, like we said, rein in, but we, we hold the balance of making sure we're giving more positive interactions than negative interactions and, and using those words. I mean, I was thinking about how you said at the beginning that you don't remember your mom saying, I love you. And, mm -hmm. you know, the power of just those words and the power of withholding those words, yes. you know, creating those 
over-the-top number of positive interactions to balance out those correcting moments because they're both valuable, but there is, you know, a ratio that's required for that overall health of our relationship with our kids. You know, our culture is loaded, at least I am, maybe it's just me, that I will make a list for everything. Um, (laughs) But I'm wondering as a mom, if there would be, and I didn't do this, but I'm throwing it out there. I wonder if as a mom, you sat down and made a list of all the things in your daughter, when you're not angry, when you're not frustrated, but all of the things in her that you see that are treasured, that are wonderful, that are good, that are, you know, that you go, she's talented at this, she's kind to this person, she opens the door, she does whatever it is. And then when you're the most frustrated with her, you go, look at that, and then start pulling them out. And tell her those things. Oh, that is such a good idea. I I never did that with my kids. And I don't know why, because I did that with my husband. Mm -hmm. And I remember years later finding in his wallet, this paper that had been creased and folded and unfolded and folded. And it was that list of things that I so treasured and loved and appreciated about him. But why didn't I think to do that for my children? That's such a great idea, darling. Mm -hmm. Okay, Marlis, I know that you cared for your mom as she descended into the effects of Alzheimer's. I can't imagine that that was easy, um, especially knowing the difficulty that you experienced in your younger years with her and not having the relationship that you would have desired. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Um, yes. And, and interestingly, the challenge wasn't so much having her in our home um, and remembering what kind of mom she was, that, that wasn't it at, at all, because by that time, I had come to appreciate and see, you know, what a good mom she had been. The challenge during that season was my need to work. My husband um, had been unemployed. I worked at a nonprofit. I needed to get a job that paid better and carried health care benefits, because he was also diagnosed with cancer during during that season. And I, and the first job I got, I happened to be working in HR in human relations, and I was on the phone or talking all day with people surrounding my desk or um, or in meetings. And when I got home, I just needed some peace and quiet and no human voices. But remember, my mom had been home alone all day, and she needed to hear human voices. So I think that was the challenging part because of the dynamics of where my husband and I were in that season. Um, I think a good many of us who care for aging parents, we can look back and say, oh, we, we feel guilt. I wish I'd done this differently. I could have done that better. So I certainly had those feelings. Um, but during the four and a half years that she lived with us, uh, it just reminded me, she wasn't the person who raised me. And it just reminded me of how sacrificial she had been and what a good mom she had been and um, what would normally be a challenging time in our case, in my case, was really a sweetly challenging time. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing with my mom, because I cared for her in the last few years of her life, not in the way you did, it was long distance, but I was her provider of everything she needed and the discussions with doctors and moving her where she needed and all of the things. It wasn't easy because my mom was still very difficult at that time. But I think part of changing the dynamic 
from your dysfunctional or lacking or or negative relationship with your mom is being willing later in life to say, not only am I going to change my relationship with my daughter, I am going to be the catalyst to change the relationship with my mom. Mm -hmm. Even if she doesn't receive it, even if she doesn't change, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not on me. What's on me is how I help her live the rest of her life. And I think that's really important because, you know, we don't only want to end the cycle as a mom. I think we want to break the past as well. Yes, that's good. Well, I guess maybe as a means of wrapping this conversation up, I'd love for you, Marlis, to just kind of give us some hope, you know, kind of telling us what your relationship with your daughter is like now as a result of, you know, the efforts that you made throughout her growing up and teen and adult years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good, a good question. Um, she and I, she's one of my closest friends now. And I think she would say the same of me. She is a pastor's wife has, uh, she and her husband have three biological children and they adopted three, um, young brothers from Uganda. So they doubled the size of their Mm -hmm. family overnight. And, Um, We talk about anything and everything, and obviously a lot of our conversation is around her children, and she's teaching me about um, early childhood trauma as she's learning about it, Mm -hmm. and she talks about her work. She is um, Mm -hmm. an assistant to a a teacher who works with special needs children, so she has a lot of one-on-one time with special needs children, and she works the same hours that her kids are in school. She has the same days off, so it's Mm -hmm. really ideal, and um, she's teaching me a lot these days and she's, um, she lectures me, but with wisdom, she really, <laughs> Oh, do you she... rebel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, but do you rebel? <laughs> yes. Okay. But, but she's got this, um, uh, you know, she puts her hand on her hip and with her raised eyebrow voice, she says, mom, and then she proceeds to lecture me and she's always right. But, but we don't want to, we don't want to be lectured at by our daughters. Right. Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, she talks a lot about her challenges, you know, as a pastor's wife, as a mom of six kids, three of them with um, considerable, you know, early childhood trauma. Um, She's uh, just a delight and she's still that same headstrong woman and I am, but we don't butt heads. I don't have to parent her. I don't have to mm. tell her her skirt is too short, which these <laughs> days it's not. But <laughs> but if it were, I wouldn't tell her. <laughs> I don't have to ask her if she did her homework or did her chores. Mm. And so it's so delightful to have um, an adult daughter who is a close friend. Well, and I think we have to remind ourselves when our daughters confront us about things that we need to be confronted about <laughs> is that we raise them to be healthy, whole, wise women. And you know what? They are. So what they're bringing into our lives are things that we put those seeds in and look at how they've grown and how we benefit from it. So I love that, Marlis. Well, I'll just say as one of the people hopefully benefiting from this conversation, I've loved getting to hear both of you guys talk about, you know, the steps that you took, the maybe challenges that you had and, you know, the, the grit that, and the grace that you showed your, your girls and how it has paid off. And I'm just thinking how I'm looking forward to going and spending time with my little baby, um, knowing that this is the fruit that will come of doing the hard and the good things 
you know, sowing into my daughter what I ultimately hope to sow. So thank you guys both for sharing that with us. But Marlis, thank you so much for your time and your willingness to just give us wisdom on how to make the most of our relationships with our daughters. Thank you. All right, going to close this with a Bible verse, which is in 1 Samuel 1, 27 to 28. And it refers to a boy here, but I think it's very appropriate no matter what gender your child is. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. I think, Julie, that's at the end of the day, we need to trust that God will give us the parenting ability that we need For sure. to raise a healthy daughter or son, no matter what our past is. Well, we hope you found this episode encouraging. Be sure to click into the show notes for previous episode with Marlis, the other episode we talked about with Dr. Zoe, and more encouragement for your grit and grace life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.